Welcome to the e-commerce fuel podcast, a show dedicated to helping seven-figure plus store owners build incredible businesses and amazing lives. I'm Andrew Darian, and today we're talking about a marketing technique doesn't get a lot of discussion, but it's pretty powerful for building backlinks, building authority in your niche, being able to do market research and, and drive traffic. And that is rolling out a grant program for your customers and for your industry. One of the things we do in the, the community is all of our new members coming in are required to share a case study with the broader community. And Hillary Halstead Scott from the Halstead Bead company, halsteadbead.com, came in over the last year or so, shared a really interesting case study on the grant program, the Halstead grant that they have rolled out. And I wanted to bring her on the show to talk about that. And it's it's been going for 15 years, as we discussed, and it's been really impactful on their business in terms of all the things I just mentioned. So we dive into that. We also touched briefly at the end about her sales tax advocacy. She's done an amazing job at fighting for almost all of us uh, on the front of trying to, to fix the absolute disaster of a sales tax policy we have here in the United States. So we talk about how that has gone, what the current state of sales tax reform is. And also I ask her what her thoughts have been on the American democracy. Does it work? Can you actually as a citizen get things changed or is it an absolute, you know, is it just a failed lost cost? Anyway, talk about all that stuff. Really enjoyed having her on and, and hope you enjoy it as well. Before we dive in, a big thank you to our two sponsors that make the show possible. First to the team at Clavio, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform, whether you're launching your brand or taking your business to the next level, Clavio gives you the tools to grow faster. It's trusted by over 32,000 brands, names you'll realize or recognize rather like Brooklyn and Nunn and Chubby's. You can build your contact list, send emails to pop and create marketing moments that build valuable customer relationships over any distance. You can check them out for free, take them for a test drive uh, at clavio.com forward slash ECF. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O.com forward slash ECF. And then secondly, brought to you by e-commerce fuel capital. If you're looking just for money to get your business going, we're probably not a great fit. Well, I'm not gonna say we're a bad fit, but there's a lot of places you can look, banks, uh, rich uncles, all sorts of other places if money is the only thing you care about. But if you want a group of investors and operators and e-commerce pros that really get e-commerce, have gone through and can help you, team members like Mike Jackness, Bill D'Alessandro, Cody Sanchez, Steve Chu, Drew Sanaki, myself, Ezra Firestone, check out e-commerce fuel capital. It's a way to get a great team in your corner and get the capital you need to grow. You can learn more at capital.ecommercefuel.com. All right, let's go ahead and get into our podcast today. Hillary, so excited to dive into what you've done with this grant. But for a little context, can you give people a sense of the business and particularly, you know, it's, it's a kind of a long, it's a family business that's been running for a while, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. So I'm actually a second generation owner of Halstead. My parents started the business back in the 70s. And they were, you know, crazy hippies with a Volkswagen van. And they were like (laughs) traveling around making beaded jewelry, right? And just kind of doing it as a hobby. And it grew into a parts business. And so at first, they were selling a lot of beads. And then, um, you know, findings is the the term for jewelry parts. And over the years, um, it's really evolved from there. And we've moved away from beads, actually. And we now supply metalsmiths and bench jewelers all around the world. So our business is B2B. 
but it's very much serving micro businesses, you know, small jewelry studios, jewelry stores, people selling on Etsy and eBay, and all of those different kinds of jewelry artists and makers around the world. I, I was looking at the About Us page and I, I noticed that picture of your parents. It was your, your parents, right? That was in the in the bus going around. Yeah. And the bus in the background. That's super cool. We'll try to add that to the show notes if, if you don't mind. It's a cool <laughs> yeah, picture. It is. So, so no beads, but, but more the, the metalworking stuff. And, and when, how long have you been doing the grant, the Halstead grant? This will be our 15th year. So it's very established at this point. It's been an amazing program. 15 years. And I was doing a little bit of SEO geekery on it. And you've got, I mean, it's, it's tons of backlinks, like 190 referring domains. Uh, when I was digging in for just prepping for this episode a little bit, I went to the winner from last year and like right on her homepage, she was announcing very proudly, like I was the winner of this last year. So it's obviously something that, you know, that people uh, know about that they, 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 they covet, you know, if they win it. So what, how, how did you start it? Like how, you know, how did you get the idea to do this? Yeah. So when I came back into the family business, it was about 20 years ago. And I had recently recently com- completed my MBA. And case competitions are a big thing in business school, right? So that kind of became the inspiration for the grant program. Because growing up in this industry, you know, a real struggle for our clients is balancing the needs for entrepreneurship in this trade, right? You have to have an incredible skill set in creativity and craftsmanship. And then simultaneously, you need entrepreneurial skills in business planning and a little bit of marketing and accounting. And the breadth required to be successful in the jewelry industry is is really pretty vast. And that's a challenge for a lot of people who get into jewelry. Generally, they're more creative by nature and the business side of things is much more difficult for them. So we were looking to kind of support that endeavor and encourage our jewelry artist client base to kind of set aside some time to dedicate to that skill set. Now, if you think back to, you know, 15, 20 years ago, it was a very different place. So there weren't online webinars and there wasn't a lot of easy access to those kinds of education programs online like we have today. So there were some things being done through the trade show circuit to kind of give jewelry artists a little bit of, you know, business background, but it was much less accessible. And, you know, honestly, jewelry artists don't enjoy that side of things as much. You know, the grant program was kind of a way to incentivize spending that time because we see the people in our industry who do dedicate time and effort to the business side of things. We see them being much more successful. And sadly, a lot of the most talented jewelers, craftsmanship and creativity wise, may not be successful if they don't pursue that side of things. So that's really kind of what inspired the program back in the early days. And over time, it's evolved to kind of better meet the needs of our our industry and our audience of makers. So we've adapted to the times now that more information is available. You know, there are a lot of great business resources catering to jewelry artists, we can kind of piggyback and work with them to better serve the field. So in terms of the structure, what do you, is it set up as a traditional business plan contest? What, what do people, give us a sense of you, what, what do people need to submit to, to, for you guys to evaluate? And then what do they win if you, if you select them as the winner? Yeah, that's a great question. At, at first, you know, the very first year we did this, we literally said submit a business plan. And that's just how naive we were because it was a really tough year. We got just this crazy set of submissions. It was so difficult to compare. So we learned very quickly that we needed to kind of break it down. 
Now our application is about 15 questions that do really comprise a business plan. You know, we ask people to identify their target market. We ask them to talk about their capacity and their productivity numbers. We ask when they'll break even on their business, but it makes it a a more approachable process, right? Because the questions kind of guide them through the content we want to see in a submission. Over the years, we've fine-tuned those questions, and they're very challenging. They're really meant to force applicants to kind of seek out resources and information to get help and get answers to these very tough questions. So every year, we really get behind one primary winner. That person wins $7,500 in cash plus $1,000 in store credit through Halstead. And then really one of the biggest benefits of winning the prize is that we put our entire marketing department behind them for about a month. So we really work to kind of launch them with a big PR project, a lot of video content, interview content, written content, and then also a mailing of kind of a glossy booklet of their work and the work of the other finalists that goes out to jewelry retailers and galleries around the country where we have relationships. So it becomes a real launchpad program. It's a lot more than the startup grant. It's kind of a whole package deal. The finalists we recognize consistently, but they don't get that same kind of hand-holding and launching backing. But we do give them smaller cast prizes of $500 for the, the top five finalists and then $250 for the top 10 finalists. Kind of a, a nod because it does take a lot of time to complete this application. It's, it's an undertaking. Yeah. I mean, $7,500 is, is, is great, but not nearly as val- valuable as getting your whole marketing team and, and the distribution exposure they get. That's incredible. On the application front, you mentioned it seems like this is going to be pretty crucial to, to the program working well. You set it up instead of free form. You have a, a real step-by-step process that, that kind of susses out the information you want. Any other tips that you would give people if they're thinking about designing an application um, or mistakes you have made to avoid if there's someone's getting started with us? Yeah. I mean, like I said, early on, the biggest mistake was just being too vague and it made it very difficult to compare applicants. So now we ask pretty pointed questions And we also leave some opportunity for people to set themselves apart, right? So one of my favorite questions on our application is talk about your competitors and how you compare. And I feel like that's one of the more telling questions on preparedness for business because you get a lot of, you know, very naive answers. Well, no one has ever done what I do, Um, you know, right? Like no one has seen jewelry like this before in the history of time. And I'm going to be amazing because of that. Well, you know, yes, you may be amazing, but you also need a little bit of pragmatism if you're getting into business and you need to recognize what you're up against. So we see our more successful applicants really parse out that question in terms of, you know, here are makers kind of targeting the same segment. Here are people that compete for these same dollars from buyers. And here's what I offer as a competitive advantage. So it's kind of this mix of making your your questions detailed enough that you can compare applicants, but also, you know, giving them enough rope to hang themselves, so to speak, right? So that you do kind of see people, you know, shake out in terms of of who's who's ahead above the rest. And for promotion, I'm sure, you know, standard channels of your email channel, talking with suppliers, apart from the obvious ones, what are some ways that you have had success promoting this that might not immediately come to mind for people? 
Yeah. So one of the great synergies that has come from this program has been a win-win for us and the academic community in our field. So prior to the grant, you know, it was very difficult to approach academics in metalsmithing and the jewelry um, vocational programs without coming across as just super salesy and aggressive and, you know, buy our products. And, and Hillary, sorry, sorry to interrupt. When you say academic, is that like some, is this a, a, a program at a college or something where they're teaching jewelry making or, or metalworking? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, absolutely. So metalsmithing is often part of the 3D arts department at university programs. So it's sometimes combined with sculpture and other 3D art programs. So there are many university programs. And then there are also a number of vocational schools that are independent entities in the field. And prior to the grant, you know, it was difficult to approach them and start a conversation. And this really gave us a great talking point to leverage and establish those relationships. So it gave us something to say, listen, this is how we're giving back to the community. This is how we're supporting young emerging artists in the field. We'd love for you to get involved, give us feedback on this, refer your students and graduates, and kind of funnel applicants into the program. So now we have this great relationship where we're soliciting information and submissions from the academic community, and then also communicating with them on a regular basis in terms of what we're seeing in the applicant field and how we can kind of complement their technical efforts in education of the next generation. So now we get involved in providing, you know, webinars and speaking engagements to some of those university audiences, talking about the entrepreneurship side of the field, which is often outside of the focus area of that academic community. So I feel like we can complement what they're doing. And they're obviously, you know, educating the next generation of independent artists. So it's a, it's a really good partnership that's kind of come about because of this grant program. Is there anything you've been able to do with your suppliers that have has helped spread the word or be able to tap into their their network? Because I would imagine on some 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 level, some of them maybe are independent merchants buying directly from the supplier, but I'm guessing you also have maybe some competition in there, and they're probably not going to. So how does that work? Uh, are you able to partner with suppliers in a way that doesn't make it uncomfortable for other people they're working with? You know, a little bit. The grant has kind of taken on a life of its own, and it's it's kind of branded in its own way. And so we do get a lot of referrals from both competitors and suppliers to the program because it's providing value for the community. And at the end of the day, you know, it benefits all of us. What we find is, you know, again, jewelry artists who enter the field better prepared and more professional are more successful. And it's been a real effort across our entire industry to kind of professionalize the field. And I think you see that in some other industries too, right? Where, you know, jewelry making, it sounds very sexy and a lot of hobbyists get into it pretty casually and they kind of dip their toes in it. And the people who operate at that level, you know, they may have some success and make some side income, but the people who really make a go of this and become names in the industry, it takes a lot more chops. And so the more we can encourage that skill set, the better off the whole field is. So yeah, we definitely see suppliers, competitors, and all sorts of different facets in our fields kind of participating in the grant program and referring candidates. And do you, do you try to promote this with paid advertising? I mean, obviously, it's not a cost or a profit center for you, but is, are you going out there actually investing uh, dollars marketing spend to, to try to get more exposure for this? You know, not in the sense of pay-per-click advertising, but we definitely put money behind it in terms of the annual publication that goes along with it, the mailings out to the university 
programs and kind of the retail side of things, the galleries and jewelry stores. The prize packages total about $10,000 a year in investment for us, but we put about another $10,000 into other marketing efforts surrounding the program. That's much more publication materials and mailings than digital advertising because the reputation has has kind of been established at this point. So, you know, that helps over time. Yeah. One thing I was surprised at when reading the case study that you did, your new member case study in the forums was fantastic and kind of spurred this whole discussion. I'll link up to that uh, for anyone who is a e-commerce community member and wants to check it out. You mentioned the judging takes a month of time. Is that right? That blew me away. Yeah, it's it's a big investment for us. And I really don't count the labor time involved in that expense number. The application, you know, it ends up being like a binder. <laughs> we get like a three ring binder from a lot of these applicants, right? And they've got their financials in there. They've got like charts and graphs. They've got their portfolio. You know, it's a big deal. So, you know, it takes a couple of hours just to read each application. And then we go through them multiple times in this winnowing process. So I really do set aside the month of August, at least half of every day goes towards grant judging, because not only do we read their submission binders, but we also get on their websites, we get on their social media, we really want to see what they're doing, and, and get to know each of these applicants really, really well. So yeah, it does, it takes time. How many applicants do you have to go through? Like what's, you know, what's an average year? An average year is about 50. And you know, people are always surprised. They expect the number to be a lot higher. But what we've kind of established over time is there's a lot of winnowing that happens before submission. So we'll have about 500 people start the application process. And they kind of often drop out as they go because it's not well, easy. Hard. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's really hard. And that's definitely the feedback we get from participants is they're like, oh my gosh, this was really hard. <laughs> but then there's also, you know, a point of pride after going through the process. And that's that's kind of the whole goal as far as we're concerned, because even the people who don't win the grant, if they come through this process, they are a stronger business for it. And every year around application time, I get emails from you know past participants who maybe didn't even place in our finalist group, but they say, you know, I did this eight years ago and my business would not be here today if I hadn't. So that's amazing to hear. Yeah, very cool. Let's talk about how this is beneficial for you guys specifically. What like what kind of benefits? Maybe we can lots of things from a marketing. Let's start with marketing. How does it benefit the company in terms of getting new customers in the door long term? Yeah, I think, you know, I mentioned before with the academic audience, this just gave us a, a talking point. It's a it's a PR topic. It shows that we're philanthropic and we care about our community. And it gives us something to talk about other than sales and product. And in marketing, that's so important, right? To establish authority in the fields and also just start these discussions with different participants in the jewelry world. So, you know, I can now go up to a professor of a university program and usually um, my elevator pitch to those people is not about the business side of things at all. It's I'm Hillary Halstead Scott. I'm the president of Halstead and I'm the founder of the Halstead Grant. And if you haven't heard about the Halstead Grant, this is a program we offer for emerging artists to help new sterling silver jewelry designers get a foothold and a launch pad in the industry. And a, an amazing conversation usually starts from there. 
Now, if I approached that same sort of contact and said, I'm Hillary Halstead Scott, I'm the president of Halstead, and we sell findings, we'd love to sell supplies to your students, <laughs> immediately the hackles go up, right? And right, right. usually, you know, they maybe talk for a minute and walk away. But this is a real conversation starter. And it's something people can connect and identify with without feel like, feeling like they're being sold to. So the marketing value there is is enormous and you know it leads to relationship building it leads to speaking opportunities leads to media coverage so there are just all sorts of things that kind of flow from this program and on the SEO front I think I mentioned it earlier almost 200 referring unique referring domains linking up to your grant subdomain do you see every year I'm I'm sure you see a handful of new links coming in how, how is it from a link building standpoint it's fantastic. And one of the interesting things that's happened just recently with link building is we're getting a lot of these microfinancing companies like Cabbage and their competitors kind of coming in and linking to the program too. And over time, just these different little niches in the entrepreneurship community as well. We get a lot of interest from women-owned business nonprofits because you know so much of our audience is female business owners. There's a lot of great synergy there. So it's interesting, you know, things I, I didn't foresee, but we end up finding these new little pockets where we have a lot in common and a lot to talk about, you know, opportunities stem from that as well. Do you have anything that you do very extremely? Obviously, you're, you're, you've got mailers, you're, you're, you're hitting your email list, all the marketing stuff we talked about. In terms of promoting it for, to get a little more of that SEO uh, impact and some of those links, do you do any very specific link building outreach campaigns, which are going to serve dual purpose, help promote it, but also get those links? Is there anything really intentional on the SEO side you do to try to, to make the most of this? Or is it just going to happen organically based on all the other stuff you're doing? You know, it's been more organic thus far, but one of our, our project plans on the horizon is to do more of that outreach you're talking about. But thus far, we've really been building content around it kind of on the back end. So we have a really rich log that we've invested a lot of time in, and we kind of regularly drip business article topics into that blog stream. And that really supports what we're doing with the grant and provides a lot of you know destination link content that has helped us organically as well. Yeah. So I'm looking at the Halstead grant right now, and it's, it's a subdomain grant at halsteadb.com. There's not even really a way to go to your main website selling product, is there? You know, not obviously. And it kind of goes back and forth on the back end, but we really try and keep the integrity of the grant program intact by not using it as a product marketing tool. I think that happens kind of naturally and I don't want to force it. So yeah, that's been a strategic decision on our part. For better or worse, I think you could probably debate the pros and cons of that, but that's the route we've chosen to go. And talk about the market research you mentioned in your case study too, that you get, apart from the marketing side of things, just some of the insights into customers that informs your, you know, what you're doing the, the, the upcoming year is pretty valuable. It's, it's incredibly valuable. And for us, it's immeasurable. Um, just the trends we are able to identify based on our applicant pool each year. So I was talking about that binder we get from jewelry artists who submit to our programs. And they talk about their goals. They talk about their fears. They talk about their, their collections and their product lines. And they talk about their target audience. And all of those things help us to serve them better because we understand what they see as market challenges. And I can tell you that's changed tremendously over time. 
So when we first started this program, it was in the era of eBay, right? So everyone was talking about eBay and the commissions you pay to eBay. How do you start listing products on eBay? And that was kind of a primary sales channel for a lot of our clients. Over time, we've seen that evolve to selling on Etsy, selling on Amazon, opening up your brick and mortar store, opening up your own website, and understanding the challenges they face just really helps us to speak to our audience, provide relevant content to them, and also to provide relevant product to them. And we take our responsibility to our applicants very, very seriously And we keep all of these applications really locked down. Even within the business, only the judging committee is allowed to see applications to protect the privacy of our applicants. So we learn a great deal from them, but we're also really careful in terms of what we disclose so that no one's personal information or strategic plan is being publicized in a way that would jeopardize their business. Yeah, very cool. Congrats on the success you've had with it. And and again, as I mentioned before, we'll link up to the the full case study that Hillary had, has written up in the in the forums, so you can check that out. Before we we wrap up here, I want to ask you a couple of things. First, I want to thank you for the work you've done on the sales tax front. You've been, man, one of if probably the most forceful presences in terms of really advocating for for sales tax from from a company standpoint reform just been incredible at going out and yeah I, I just really trying to to talk to legislatures and legislators and tell them you know what a mess it is and a disaster so a couple of questions for you one first thank you for doing that and then what would love to get a, a sense you know we're recording this you know may 2020 what's the current state of sales tax like has in the united states at least has there been any meaningful progress on it in the last six months that might make it a little bit less of an absolute disaster than it's been Yeah, you know, we were seeing a lot of progress actually early in the new year because interest was growing among legislators at both the state and the federal level. And my husband actually was in D.C. in March and testified in front of the House Small Business Committee on the Wayfair issue and the challenges that small businesses are facing. So we were seeing a tremendous amount of momentum early in the year, right before coronavirus hit, unfortunately. Coronavirus has derailed a lot of the momentum we had in advocacy work for sales tax simplification. Now, we're kind of trying to pivot with other organizations on the messaging around simplification advocacy, because right now attention is turning to how government can help small businesses to recover from the crisis and come out of this, you know, not just surviving, but also turning towards growth and adaptation to new market conditions. And so the message we're trying to spread right now is if you want small businesses to grow and drive employment, you need to make compliance as simple as possible. If you do so, that should be a win-win. If it's easier for companies to comply, more of them will. And in turn, that should mean more revenue for the states if you can increase your compliance rates. So it's kind of changed how we strategically approach that fight. And we're, we're looking to kind of gear up efforts as, you know, a little bit of the crisis mode dies down with the virus effort. And we'll see what happens in the months ahead. So has the whole process given you more faith in our, in our democracy, our representative democracy, and being able to, to connect with leaders and actually feel heard and, and be able to, as a citizen, impact change even a little bit? Or have you become more jaded at the bureaucracy, at, at how difficult it is to get things done? Because you've been, I mean, you, you really, I think you've probably done this at a level 
most people haven't done on an issue. And so I'm just curious to hear your thoughts on that. What's your end takeaway from how our system fundamentally works when we need to try to make something change? Yeah, I'm really glad you asked that because it's something my husband and I talk about a lot. He works in the business too. He's our finance director and handles all of the sales tax registrations and filings. He's actually taking the lead on all of this advocacy work for Halstead. But he and I have discussed this quite a bit because we were never politically active before this issue. We voted, but you know, we never contributed money anywhere. We had never met with any kind of legislator at any level in the past. And we did this out of desperation. I think I wrote a letter like in January 2019, when really I felt like we were on our knees because of the complexity of this and the amount of money we were having to put into it. And it was just a cry for help. And we sent it out to all of the legislators in all of the districts in Arizona And within a week, we heard back from like three of them and had some really great conversations where they were trying to learn, asking questions, trying to understand. And from there, you know, our voice just seemed to kind of grow. And there were a few reasons for that. First, we were really willing to share a lot of data and that caught the attention of a lot of policymakers because they said generally, you know, people will send you this ranting and raving email about how upset they are, but they won't actually back it up with any details. So the fact that we provided them with a case study and really broke down dollars, dollars spent, hours used, problems faced, and kind of spelled out the story, people really latched onto that and responded to it. And one of my big takeaways from this whole thing is just, wow, like, you really can speak up and people will listen if you do it in the right way, if you do it respectfully, if you're willing to give information, and if you're willing to put in a lot of time and follow-up, that's part of it too. You don't get to just send one email and expect action. Like We really send email after email after email and follow up with these policymakers, and the response has been amazing. And I do feel Like I appreciate our country in a different way now because of that, because you can get them to listen. Now, that being said, the wheels of politics are extremely slow (laughs) and that's (laughs) where it becomes very frustrating, right? So you can speak to them and even persuade a lot of people to kind of see, you know, your points of frustration and that there are issues that need to be fixed, but then getting that to meaningful legislation and change is a process that takes years. And we've hit several kind of low points where we've just felt really demoralized and frustrated that, you know, you put in all this time, all this time, and you may move things an inch, but you're not all the way there yet. So we're learning to kind of play the long game and try and figure out how to balance our advocacy with our other business commitments and just life balance as well to make sure that we keep all of this in check, but still moving forward. Yeah, well, really appreciate it again. And and with any time you guys do big stuff, we're going to be trying to help coordinate the ECF community to to help you get behind that. Apart from that, is there anywhere that do you have any presence or or, or list or anything that you're you're kind of helping? If people are interested in following along and supporting what you're doing, that they can get behind you and be notified about. Yeah, you know, I'll definitely continue to post to the forum as things develop, and we really appreciate all of the participation we received from ECF members around that House Small Business Committee hearing. We saw just dozens of people sending letters to their state representatives, and that really did help to move the needle. You know, your elected officials 
you know, they're always happy to hear from small business owners. I've kind of learned that we're the fluffy bunnies of the political world. Like Democrats love small business and Republicans love small business. Like you can't lose. So if you, again, present your views in a professional bipartisan way, you're going to get people on either side of the aisle to listen to you and to want to help you because you really do drive state economies. So the ECF participation in reaching out to advocate with your representatives has been huge. So I'd say, you know, just keep doing that. And as we see opportunities arise for you to, you know, write letters and reach out, I'll definitely post those in the forum and and we appreciate you guys jumping on board. Of course, we'll try to give them the mouthpiece they deserve, or at least the, the promotion they deserve. So, literally, this has been fantastic. We've got to wrap up here pretty quickly, but I'd love to do a fast lightning round with you before we we sign off, if you're up for it. I'm up for it. Shoot. All right. Awesome. Favorite piece of e-commerce tech? E-commerce tech. I'm not a techie person by nature, but I am a big data hound. So, Google Analytics is kind of my happy place. I love it. <laughs> this would be a bumper sticker. <laughs> Least favorite piece of e-commerce tech? Least favorite. Hmm. I'm not sure about that one. Honestly, Windows makes me a little crazy from time to time. So there. <laughs> Windows. Uh, favorite item you sell. So we'll, we'll uh, which, what's the, if you had to pick one, what's your favorite item that you sell in your catalog at, at Halstead and we'll link up to it. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Chain. I'm a big fan of chain. So I'll, I'll send you out a couple of things you can check out. Perfect. What's the last thing you apologized for? Oh, I apologize a lot. I make a lot of mistakes, right? Um, probably to my team, right? To I think just the other day, I, I failed to send some reports to someone who was waiting on them. And that was, that was my bad. Sorry about that. <laughs> What's one of your life goals that's a decade plus in the horizon? A decade plus. You know, a lot more travel. Really looking forward to that. Who's the most interesting person you've met since you've been a part of ECF in the community? Oh, I, you know, I owe a lot of gratitude to Drex Davis. He introduced us to the community and we met him through the sales tax advocacy effort. And I just think he's an amazing man at, at scrapbook.com. Perfect. Thank you, sir. And what's been the biggest problem you've solved or the most valuable thing you've learned from what another ECF member has done or shared in the forums? You know, several things in the last year. I think right now I've got a post up there on dealing with VAT filings for export to European countries. And I really appreciate some of the tips we've gotten there. And in the past, I've, I've really been following a lot of the threads on best practices in email campaigns, pay-per-click campaigns, and SEO. So there's a lot of wisdom there. Thanks to all of you. Wonderful. Well, thanks for being part of the community. You've been fantastic, not just on the sales front, sales tax front, but, but just being a, yeah, an amazing member, weighing in and sharing a lot of your experience. So thank you. And if you want to see how the grant looks in person, uh, grant.halstedbead.com. We'll link up to that or just check out halstedbead.com to see the amazing site and business that they run over there. So thanks so much for coming on to share this. It's super cool. You've done with the grant. Congratulations on building something meaningful in the space there that not only helps you guys, but but yeah, helps the whole industry. Yeah, I just appreciate uh, you taking the time. So thank you, Hillary. Thank you, Andrew. It's been a pleasure. That's going to do it for this week. Again, a big thank you to the team at Clavio for making the show possible. The best place to send highly segmented messages via email and SMS to your customers to make more money. You can learn more about them and get started at clavio.com forward slash ECF and also brought to you by the e-commerce fuel private community, a vetted form and review directory of a thousand plus in the trenches experienced store owners that you can connect with to help grow your business. If you want to learn more about that and apply for membership, you can do that at ecommercefuel.com. Thanks so much for listening. Work hard and adventure often. 
and looking forward to seeing you again next Friday. This is the ASY Radio Network Live from New York.